Welcome back to Lindy Line, an original story written and retold by Simon Brooks. This is a podcast for young people, high adventure, fantasy, and this is episode 11. We're getting very close to the end, so if you haven't listened to anything up to now, you got to go back and start at episode one and make your way slowly through these episodes until you get back to here. Episode 11, chapter 46, Searching. At dawn, Michaelmas and Mars Stanhope left the inn and riding hard travelled west, hoping to find the hunter, Private Stanhope, Princess Avery, Princess Riley and the elves. Meanwhile, the hunter, Private Stanhope, Princess Avery, Princess Riley and the elves had been riding hard east. They met just after the crossroads, the place where the trail that they rode on crossed the trail which led from the cliffs to the southern borders of the land of Lindyline. Thank goodness, said Michaelmas, seeing the two princesses safe and sound with the hunter and Tommy Stanhope. The hunter looked behind Mar Stanhope and Michaelmas, and with his eyebrows furrowed said, Where are the creatures? Oh, they're, they're quite safe, said Mar Stanhope. They're heading to the Mendips on their own. They know the way. We showed them. She smiled at her son, who pretended not to notice. How did you know we would be coming this way? asked the hunter. We didn't, but Jonesy told us you were in trouble in Wilhay, said Michaelmas. When we got there, we heard Princess Avery being captured by the spies, and you had ridden after them. We heard all the details, although some seemed conflicting. The doctor told us you had been heading west, so west we came, my boy. Michaelmas reached behind himself and pulled a sack from his saddlebags. He handed it to Princess Avery and smiled. There's some food in there. Help yourself and pass it around. There should be enough for everyone. They dismounted from the horses, and Avery, Riley, Tommy, the hunter and the elves ate hungrily. Thank you, said Princess Avery, once they had finished eating. You're most welcome, my dear, said Mar Stanhope. We knew you'd be hungry. Here's something to wash it down with. As the others had eaten, Mar Stanhope had built a small fire quickly to brew tea for everyone. Wiping his mouth, the hunter asked more about the unicorn, Pegasus and Unisus. They are safe, said Michaelmas. We left them more than halfway to the Mendips, and Achimus knew the way. But the soldiers, who had been dumped in the forests or plains, the soldiers captured in Wilhay, where exactly had they been left? If the soldiers knew where they were, they would most likely be headed to the Mendips, where they might find shelter and food, even if it is sparse. Some say little. If Adele's family were heading to the dwarf caves in the South Mendips, there's a chance they might meet. Michaelmas nodded his head in agreement with the hunter. Although the chances of the soldiers bumping into the four-legged family were extremely slim, there was still the chance they could. So what do you suggest? asked the wizard. We go after them, said the hunter. Princess Avery and me, we find them and make sure that they're safe and get them to a place of safety if needed. I'm not leaving anyone alone with my sister, said Princess Riley. She turned and glared at the hunter. Look what happened the last time you rode off with her. Michaelmas was barely able to hide his smile. Mars Stanhope caught the hidden grin, smiling herself. The hunter scowled but said nothing. We should all get back to Lindyline, to the king and queen, so your parents know you are both safe, said Tommy Stanhope. And I can help fight the Birchwood armies, so we can all help fight the Birchwood army. It's so much bigger than our own. At least, that's what most people think or say, he added. Surely the creatures will be okay. The chances are so small of them bumping into the soldiers. 
But there's still a chance, said the hunter. There's still a chance, agreed Michaelmas. Sophia was whispering to Mars Stanhope, who was whispering back, nodding. Sophia spoke up. It seems we should let the king and queen know that their daughters are in capable hands, said the elf leader. They should also be told that the unicorn family is being protected too. The others nodded. I will return with my friends here, Sophia said, putting her arm around the two other elves, and the rest of you continue on your journey. We will let the king and queen know all we know and help with the battles between us and Birchwood. You can look to protecting the unicorn family. And so that was the plan they made and took. Chapter 47. The End. Almost. The elves travelled with all haste, and it wasn't long before they reached the city. The king and queen were told their daughters were in good hands and where they had been left, and being told the plans which had been made. The royals were confident that all would go well with Michaelmas and Ma and Tommy Stanhope there with them and the hunter, but of course they had no idea what trouble they were about to run into. It was extremely unlikely that Akamas, Adele and Hart would run into soldiers, but it happened. The soldiers had been taken far out of Wilhay, so far from anywhere they had become lost and in doing so had stumbled on the three creatures grazing on grass, which was beginning to grow back on the East Plains after the winter. Not having a pure heart between them and not being able to sing well enough, the Birchwood soldiers, although I think Birchwood bandits would be a better name for them, followed the creatures until they slept that night. If the soldiers had not found them, it stands a very good chance that the magical beasts would have found the Mendip caves before the end of the next day. But the Birchwood bandits had seen them and stayed downwind of them. The Birchwood bandits had not been seen, heard or smelled by the four-legged family. Akamas walked about as the sun sank from the sky. Something felt wrong. He walked around in a growing circle but found no threats. There was little in the way of cover, so he could see for quite a distance. But what he did not notice, and the captain had chanced upon by luck, were holes left from some of the old mines. They were mere dips in the ground, and there were also holes several feet deep. Grass tufts hid the holes, and the soldiers had discovered them and used the cover to spy on the animals. The sun vanished behind the horizon, and the air cooled down quickly. The soldiers had crawled on their stomachs and sank into the hollows and holes like shadows. They watched Akimus from a distance as he walked about. They stayed still and silent as the Pegasus looked into the shadows, sniffed the air and listened for anything that might clue him to danger. Akimus walked back toward Adele and Harp. Something doesn't feel right, he told them but I can see no dangers, I can smell no threats and hear no trouble. Akimus walked around Adele and Harp protectively, still looking, smelling the air and listening to sounds of the day's end. Adele and Harp were tired. It had been a long day. Lie down with us, said Adele. Yes, Daddy, lie with us. It's cold and we will stay warm if we snuggle together. Harp nudged her father the great winged horse. I should have flown around before it got too dark to see, he said as if to himself. Too late now. Akimus lay down next to Harp and rolled up against her. Adele moved so that they were all pressed against one another. Harp was almost instantly asleep. 
It took Adele longer to fall into a night slumber. Akima stayed awake long into the night, and all the while the soldiers, slowly, inch by slow inch, made their way closer to the creatures. When Akimus did fall asleep, he fell into a deep and troubled sleep. When he woke, Harp was gone. Chapter 28. Harp is Missing Michaelmas used his staff to find where, exactly, Akimus, Adele and Harp were. The thing which worried Michaelmas was that Harp was not with her parents. The light had flashed from the staff and shown Michaelmas, in his mind, where the creatures were. Harp was in the caves, but Akimus and Adele were still out on the plains and seemed to be in a panic. Harp, Michaelmas could tell, was terrified, and it had to do with the three men who held her captive. We need to ride, said Michaelmas. The creatures are in great trouble. No one argued. They rode long and hard. The horses were strong and capable, but had been worked hard these last few days. Most of the riding was done at a good canter, with bursts of galloping. Jonesy sometimes flew with them, sometimes rode on one of them, his wings flaying about as he tried to keep balanced. All the riders were getting sore. Their arms and legs ached. They were not riding on paths, lanes or tracks. They were riding over the plains, over hills, through rocky fields, around swampy land thawed from the winter. They leapt over streams, forded small rivers, but did not get to where they wanted to be before the night came down on them. They were close to the middle of the East Plains, a little further north. When they climbed down from the horses, Michaelmas thought his body was frozen in the shape of riding. His back and legs ached, his neck was stiff and sore, as was his backside. Ma Stanhope slid off her horse. She seemed in much better shape than Michaelmas. After starting a fire, she helped the others brush down the horses to get the sweat off their bodies. They wanted the horses dry before it got cold. The horses found themselves food, roaming and eating the grass that seemed to be growing well here. Bushes were pulled at and eaten by the horses too. Ma Stanhope and Michaelmas had been given supplies when they left Wilhay, so together they made a meal for everyone. Hot drinks and food were welcome, and everyone ate in silence. Scrubbing the dishes with sand, Michaelmas had taken from a small bag, he spoke with Ma Stanhope. There are six of us, but two of us are a couple of young girls. I know Riley is a fighter, and Avery can use a bow like the best of them. But they're the daughters of Lindeline. We cannot put them in danger. Your son Tommy is a fighter, and the hunter too. And then there is you and me. I'm an old man. I may have a few tricks, but I'm no longer a young man in my prime. Far from it. Don't you worry, said Ma Stanhope. I'll keep an eye on you. She smiled at Michaelmas, and he smiled back. And who, said Michaelmas, almost blushing, will keep an eye on you and the young girls? We all will, said the hunter, walking over. He put his hand on the old but still straight back of Michaelmas. Thank you for coming back for us. You're welcome. The old man looked at the hunter. You know we don't know what to believe about you. Yes, I do. The hunter lowered his head and sighed. I do, he said again. Yes, I am a hunter. Yes, I am the royal hunter for King Boris, but I have never followed in his desire to kill unicorns. I became his huntsman to prevent him from killing them. I grew up in Lindyline, in Wilhay. I was a hunter there. 
I wanted to be a royal hunter for the king and queen of Lindyline, but the position was, and still is, held by another. When I heard about King Boris and his lust of killing, or at least his desire to kill unicorns, I made it my goal to take the position of royal huntsman of Birchwood, to protect the creatures. Michaelmas looked at the young huntsman and nodded. So this is what we do tonight, said the old wizard. I will see if Adele and Akamas are close by. If they are, I want you to go with Mars Stanhope and tell them we know where Harp is. You will bring them with you to the Mendic Caves, where we will meet you. Tommy Stanhope, myself and the royal daughters will head to the caves first thing in the morning. If the Unicorn and Pegasus are close by, you leave tonight. Then we rescue Harp. The hunter nodded. Michaelmas looked at Mars Stanhope and she nodded. Michaelmas straightened to his full height and took his staff in his hands. Reaching under his shirt, he pulled out the small key. As big as his thumbnail and shining with its own light, he inserted the key into the wood of his staff. He closed his eyes and then stopped. Come here, he said softly to Mars Stanhope. When she approached Michaelmas, he took her hands in his and placed them on the staff. He smiled at her and once more closed his eyes. Together now, Mars Stanhope and Michaelmas saw a blue light spread around the Blackthorn staff and slowly transform itself into a narrow beam, but not a straight one. Letting his spirit sink into his staff and travel with the light, they flashed through the plains. They did not travel far before seeing Harp's parents, still sad and roaming and flying the plains, panic and fear in their hearts. In another flash, the light returned to the wizard's staff in his hands, and his spirit was back in his body. Mars Stanhope looked at the hunter. I know where they are. Let's go. Chapter 49. The Mendip Caves Michaelmas Stanhope, Riley and Avery rode directly toward the Mendips, but when they were within a couple of miles of the caves, they began to move west of them and back over the hills behind the caves. If the soldiers were waiting and watching, Michaelmas did not want his small group to be seen approaching. As they came over one rise amongst the hills, they saw wild ponies and sheep grazing on the new spring grass. The countryside was changing, from flat yellows and browns to bright greens with a spattering of red and purple buds. Trees were beginning to sprout, and the gorse was blooming in its tiny bright yellow flowers. Ruins of an old building were covered with ivy. Sheep climbing out through the windows, fallen stones allowing them easy access through the glassless spaces. More than a hundred years ago, this had been a farming valley, but a drought which had lasted for three years had forced people from the land. Cellar holes with their sizeable rock foundations and stone chimneys lacking houses could be found. Some of the roofless stone homes still had rooms, although most had rotted away. As Michaelmas slowly led them through the old village, he wondered why, after all these years, people had never returned to this beautiful place. Remains of stone walls and hazel fences gone wild ran around the area. Michaelmas rode slowly between the rocks and stones, fences, walls, and surreal lonely chimneys and metal gates which missed their wooden fences, long fallen to the ground and rotted. They came upon one of the smaller stone houses, it was in fair shape considering how long it lay abandoned. The slate roof and the few windows were still intact. Michaelmas stopped his horse and climbed down from its back, nearly losing Jonesy who had nodded off to sleep on the old man's shoulder. Looking at the worn house, 
he stroked the powerful neck of the horse, and putting the palm of his hand to the creature's nose, whispered in its ear when the horse lowered its head. The horse snorted and lifted its head, which then pushed against Michaelmas's shoulder, seemingly massaging the man, causing Jonesy to fly up and land on his other shoulder. Michaelmas laughed. I've been keeping myself too much to myself and Jonesy over the years, thought the old man. Jonesy, who had been chattering to the horse, called loudly. Busy time for you, my old friend. You've worked so hard with us. Thank you for your help. He moved one of his hands to stroke the bird, who lovingly pushed back for more. The others climbed from their horses and let the creatures graze on the grass. It was getting late in the afternoon. Avery and Riley were still warm, but both knew as soon as the sun set, it would get colder. They began to gather wood. Riley went inside the house, which had few windows, and started a small fire with the wood the girls had found. Removing her sword from her belt, she propped it against one of the walls close to the door. Once the fire was going, Avery began to cook. Riley, finding brush and stones and rotted pieces of wood, blocked the windows so any light from the fire would be hidden when it turned dark. Any curtains which might have hung there had rotted away years ago. Riley then helped at the fire and together the royal sisters cooked supper. As Princess Riley and Princess Avery moved quietly around the fire, Michaelmas took his staff and the tiny key to travel through the beam of blue light to find Mar Stanhope and the hunter. As he had hoped, Mar Stanhope felt the power of Michaelmas through his stick, and she knew where they were now hiding out. Michaelmas smiled as the flash of light returned and went to help the two young royals. Tommy Stanhope carefully and silently scouted the area. He then moved as close to the caves as he dared. Staying hidden, he crawled over the grass, smelling the freshness of it, smelling the earth from which it was growing. It was moist, but felt good against his face. When Tommy got to the brow of the hill, he looked into the black eyes of the caves, blankly staring in the hillside. He watched for a long time and listened hard. Tommy was about a mile and a half from the house, where they had made camp. As he lay there on the damp grass, he heard a distant cry of an eagle and smiled at the sound. It seemed so lonely and yet so powerful and eerie. And as he sniffed the air, he heard the squawking of some ground bird not too far away from him, to the left, and he turned to look. Another smell met his nose. He listened harder and pressed himself closer to the ground and backed away. The shadows were getting longer, making it easier for him to hide, but it also meant it was easier for others to hide. Stanhope slid back, about twenty feet, and rolled quietly and quickly to the right, falling soundlessly into a hollow he had seen when he had first approached. His hands were now soaked wet on the grass, and the evening chill began to eat into the dampness of his clothes. A man suddenly appeared where Tommy Stanhope had been lying. Tommy's heart stopped. He tried not to breathe and opened his mouth to get air, not moving a muscle. Tommy listened to his own heartbeat, pounding in his ears, and wondered if the man could also hear it. Tommy wondered if he could get his sword drawn without making a sound, or if he could pull his dagger from his boot, but thought in the twilight he might be heard. So he lay still and watched the man silhouetted against the darkening sky looking around. It was one of the Birchwood soldiers but Tommy Stanhope of the city guard was safe as long as he stayed perfectly still. 
Stanhope watched as the soldier walked about a little more, looking, searching. But the soldier gave up and walked off to the caves. Stanhope heard the man call out as he entered one of the caves, and then there was silence. Tommy looked at that cave, and counted the number of entrances near and around it, and noted in his mind which cave this one was. Tommy knew where the soldiers were hiding, and he made his way back to the ruined building, to Michaelmas, Riley and Avery, and to a warm supper. When he got there, he was surprised to see that they had been joined by a Pegasus, Unicorn, his mother Mars Stanhope and the hunter. Even though they were only a mile away, they still spoke in hushed tones. Over the meal, he told them what he had seen. Together, over the dying embers, they made a plan. We're so close to the end now. I can't end this episode without ending the book, so this is going to be a slightly extended episode. Chapter 50 The Rescue Attempt Tommy rode his horse, as bold as brass, at a gentle canter right in front of the cave entrances. He slowed down and faced them, and began to walk the horse to one of the cave entrances. It was not the entrance he had seen the man enter the night before, but the cave entrance on the right, next to it. Two soldiers came out of the cave he had seen the soldier enter. One of them was the captain. He had his sword out, and the other soldier had a bow, string drawn back with a notched arrow, but pointing it at the ground. When Tommy Stanhope of the city guard saw them, he stopped. What are you two Birchwood soldiers doing here in Lindy Line? called Tommy. He was too far to be attacked by sword when he sat up on his horse, but he was close enough to be shot off his horse by an arrow. The captain laughed. What a brave soldier we have here, Lieutenant, he said to the soldier with the bow. From the uniform, I would say this city guard is a little far from the city to be guarding here in the Mendips. Did you get lost somewhere? No, said Tommy. I'm right where I need to be. If anyone were lost, I would think it was you two. Now put down your weapons. I'm going to take you both as prisoners of Lindyline. Stanhope drew his sword and held it up high. The captain laughed again and started walking out from the cave entrance. The soldier, with the bow, smiled and followed his commander. Tommy gently clicked his heels against the flank of his horse and it moved slowly backwards. Tommy spoke again. Please put down your weapons and surrender. The captain shook his head. There's one of you and there's three of us. One more in the cave. My lieutenant here has a loaded bow and I have a very sharp and strong sword. Why would we surrender to you? Three of you? That's a bluff. You're trying to fool me into thinking there are three of you. I could run you down with my horse, and if you were lucky, your archer might hit me. But the way he's handling his bow, it looks to me as if the chance of him hitting me are small. Tommy clicked his heels again, and the horse jumped a little, its front hooves leaving the ground slightly. The captain looked at the horse, his smile gone. He stopped advancing on Stanhope. Without taking his eyes off Tommy, the captain turned his head slightly and called back to the cave. Smith, get out here! Another soldier came out of the caves, with his sword drawn. As the man moved towards Tommy, he walked from the captain, putting a distance between the two soldiers. The captain leered at Tommy. Three of us, like I said. Now you might try and run me down with your pretty horse, and my lieutenant here. The captain stressing the word lieutenant. Might very well miss. 
but he might hit you, and there would still be two of them against you. Your pretty horse might get shot or cut by this sword here, and you both might be hurt. Now why don't you ride off and pretend you never saw us? Tommy clicked his heels again, and his horse rose high in the air. The captain took a step back, even though there was a good thirty feet between them. It was Tommy's turn to smile. When the horse landed, he charged the captain and the bowman. By the time the lieutenant got his bow up, it was shot from his hands. A second arrow flew through the air and knocked the sword from the captain's hand. It's true, thought Tommy. Avery and Riley are excellent archers. The hunter on his horse came thundering down towards the Birchwood soldiers, but what froze all three Birchwood soldiers was not the hunter, but the Pegasus, which flew down from the sky at great speed, a hoof knocking soldier Smith to the ground before the great-winged horse landed before the captain and his lieutenant. The Pegasus reared up on its powerful back legs and let out a neigh that sounded as if it were roared by a lion. The soldiers dropped their weapons and threw their arms high in surrender. Michaelmas, Mar Stanhope, Princess Avery and Princess Riley rode down towards the caves with Adele. Princess Avery and Adele galloped with Mar Stanhope, not stopping next to the captain and the lieutenant, but riding into the cave from which the soldiers had exited. The wings of the Pegasus beat the air around the captain and lieutenant, so hard that the two men fell to the ground and put their hands over their heads. The hunter, Michael Stanhope and Princess Riley rode to where the Birchwood soldiers lay on the ground. The hunter walked to the unconscious smith and dragged him over to the others. When Achimus settled his wings, Michaelmas looked down at the captain and said, I hope for your sake that young Eunices is okay. Princess Riley climbed down from her horse. She nudged the captain with her boot. He rolled over and looked up. Did you hear what my friend said? she asked. We've met before, I believe, in Wilhay. The blade of her sword lightly touched the captain's cheek, where the cut she had made a few days ago was beginning to heal, although still very red. The captain groaned and nodded to both her comments. But the boy, Robbie, he was left with you, wasn't he? asked Princess Riley. Where is he? The captain didn't speak, but a cry came from the caves as Princess Avery walked out with Harp and Adele, the mother pressing and rubbing her horn against the flank of her young daughter. Achimus leapt into the air, his wings rising about him as he half ran and half flew to his daughter. Is there anyone else in the cave? Riley called to her sister. A young man? Avery looked puzzled. No, she called back. Riley looked at Michaelmas and down at the captain. She kicked the soldier and told him to stand up, which he did slowly. With a flat of the blade, Princess Riley struck the captain on the side of the head. He bent over and clutched his ear. It was bleeding. Maybe you did not hear my question, so I will ask it again. Where is the boy Robbie who was left with you? The captain looked at the blood on his hand, the blood from his ear, before looking at the princess and smiling said, Dead. Princess Riley turned the sword deftly in her hand, and the blade of the sword swung down fast at the captain's neck, but the hunter's hand caught Riley's arm. No, he said. Don't put this man's blood on your hands. We will take him, and he will be given a trial, and he will be punished. But do not sink to his level by killing him here and now. Princess Riley looked at the hunter, and there were tears in her eyes. She lowered her sword and walked off. Chapter 51 The End 
although there was great happiness in getting all three magical creatures reunited and to a safe place to live, there was also sadness at the loss of Robbie's life. The journey back to the city seemed long and hard. Some days it was warm and the sun shone, but other days it rained or was cold. The parley between King Boris and the King and Queen of Lindyline had resulted in Prince Harold being freed along with the captured soldiers. They were all allowed to return unharmed to Birchwood. There was a celebration for the victory which had occurred with almost no blood spilt. Crowds lined the streets. Even King Boris and Prince Harold were there, but at the far end away from the King and Queen of Lindyline. General Poe was with the King when the procession began. Do you hear that flourish of trumpet? asked the King. Yes, the King and Queen of Lindyline are coming, replied General Poe. The people are aghast with admiration and lift their eyes to the heavens in reverence. Some might say awe or respect. They come. They are coming. There they are. Who? Where? The king? I do not behold him. I cannot say I perceive him. Some might say see. I see nothing but a tumultuous mob. Some might say excited group of people. Of idiots and madmen who are busy prostrating themselves. Some might say collapsing or falling down. Before a gigantic camelopard. Some might call it giraffe. General Poe shook his head. The King of Lindyline did have a long neck, but not so long as to make a comment about. Poe admired the King and Queen of Lindyline and their daughters, who had been so brave and heroic. Poe never understood King Boris, and was thinking of asking to join the army of Lindyline, so he would not have to listen to the whining of Boris and his brother. Maybe he would retire and write. He had always fancied trying his hand at poetry or short stories. He had seen enough of war to come up with some really gory tales too. A new royal huntsman was appointed to King Boris before he was given leave to return to Birchwood. King Boris was on the understanding that hunting for or harming any creature needlessly was prohibited, some say not allowed. Obviously they could hunt for food, but magical creatures were off the menu altogether. King Boris and Prince Harold also had to pay a tithe, a fine to Lindy Lyne, which paid for the soldiers and huntsmen who protected the eastern plains and kept it safe for Adele's family. The man in charge of this was, of course, the hunter. The Birchwood captain, his lieutenant, Soldier Smith, were tried for their crimes. They were found guilty and thrown into dungeons. They were pulled out to work on rebuilding certain parts of the land of Lindy Lyne, but afterwards safely returned to the dungeons where they spent the rest of their rotting lives. The King and Queen of Lindyline began to rebuild the small town on the Mendips, and there was farming once more. The hunter was given one of the houses to live in. Princess Avery and Riley would visit every once in a while with the King and Queen. The King requested Wayland to make a sword for the hunter, which he did. Mars Stanhope and Michaelmas blessed the sword before it was presented to him for his service to Lindyline and for his work protecting those three magical creatures. Private Tommy Stanhope of the City Guard was no longer a private. He was made captain of the guard, but not the City Guard. Captain Tommy Stanhope was captain of the East Plain Guards. He and the hunter often worked together and would sometimes ride to Wilhay to visit with the hunter's family and eat and drink at the inn with Emma and Frank. I cannot say if they all lived happily ever after, as 
That is quite a large undertaking, but I think it is safe to say that their lives were filled with happiness, and their lives were long and worthwhile. The End Lindy Line A High Adventure Written and Told and Recorded by Simon Brooks I really hope you enjoyed this story. You can find me and my work on Facebook, Simon Brooks Storyteller, on my website, simonbrooksstoryteller.com, and on Instagram, Simon M. Brooks. Diamond Scree? Yep, that's me, the English fella and storyteller. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to contribute to more podcasts like this or other podcasts that are slightly different to this done by myself, then please visit my Patreon page. And that is www.patreon.com slash Simon Brooks. And there you can pay a one-off payment, you can do a monthly subscription, whatever you would like. It all helps keep us fed, makes the difference between a starving artist and a working one. Again, thank you so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed the story. And until next time, bye.